This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. DOE solicits projects for mystery exascale architecture. And Athos gets big win in Germany. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. Michael, This Week in HPC, we've all been looking forward to Exascale, and now with the Aurora system coming, the DOE is opening solicitations for researchers to start bidding on projects to use that architecture. The trouble is we still don't know what the architecture is. Yeah, we certainly don't. And what's really odd about it is even the submitters to these proposals don't know what, what it's about. So they've asked uh, different or they've asked the user community to submit different projects, in this case for for data analytics and, and machine learning, uh, to work on the Aurora supercomputer before it actually goes into production. So they're going to get like three months of sort of free access between the time the system is accepted in 2021 and the time it goes into general production. So these are sort of coveted spots. But like you said, the problem is nobody knows what this architecture is about because Intel and Cray, who are going to build the system, haven't released basically any details on what it's going to look like. So it's sort of become a guessing game and even for now these uh, people submitting projects for this, it's, it's still a guessing game. Right. And Intel is the prime contractor on this. Cray is uh, sub to, to Intel. So I view this as really an Intel thing more than a Cray thing. And I think yeah. if it were up to Cray, we'd know the architectures for all the Cray parts. I think the uncertainty here or the secrecy is is on the Intel side of the house. Now, as you pointed out, this uh, system went through a little bit of redefinition or a lot of redefinition throughout 2017. We knew in early 2017 that they were now going to be looking at a so-called novel architecture with an innovative approach to exascale. And then the contract was rewritten in October to accommodate that. But we still don't know exactly what form that takes or, or what the processors will be because this was originally, as you point out in your article on top500.org, where you've done an excellent analysis. This was originally going to be uh, Knight's Hill, and, and it's certainly not going to be that anymore. Right. That Knight's Hill supercomputer was supposed to be deployed this year as a 180 ter- or petaflop supercomputer. But as it turns out, that, that didn't occur for whatever reason. And so they en- ended up revamping that contract completely and making it an exascale computer in 2021 for this so-called innovative uh, exascale supercomputer they wanted to get out a little bit earlier than uh, they otherwise planned to do. Now, the, the natural thing to do then is to look at the solicitation and try to ferret out what kinds of applications are they looking for and is there, are there any inferences that we can make about the architecture itself. And I was mentioning your article, you've actually done an outstanding analysis of uh, what clues are there directly in the solicitation and also what we can read between the lines to make inferences about the number of nodes, the total amount of memory, memory per node, interconnect. So, you know, what did you find there? Well, I mean, one of the surprising things you found was it's it's going to have 50,000 nodes and five petabytes. Well, the 50,000 is not such a big surprise. It's going to be a large system. Um, but that's not a, that's actually quite a few nodes for even the system of this size, it didn't really need to be that big because you figure in the time frame we're talking about, 2021, they will have processors that 
uh, would fit into that, that they could actually do a smaller scale system. They could probably get that down to 10,000 nodes or maybe even less, but they decided to go 50,000. And they also decided to really scrimp on the petabytes or the memory size. Five petabytes is very little memory for an exaflop. And the, when you try and work out the ratio of flops to bytes, it's, it's completely awful. It's worse than any system, I think, on the top 500 now and maybe anything ever envisioned. Um, so you're going to think that they're going to do something else with that memory hierarchy that doesn't go into uh, the main memory. They're going to have memory somewhere else to, to speed up uh, memory accesses and to provide more capacity as well. Yeah, and you've you've done an excellent job highlighting those those two surprises here. One is that the implied average node would have to be about twenty teraflops, and and there are nodes, accelerated nodes that that do that today. So in the time frame where you're putting in this system, that's not an appreciably powerful node. No. And then the the amount of memory is anemic. When Taihu Light came out, that was the thing that we were the most critical of was the was the, the relatively poor amount of memory for the number of flops being delivered. And then this is worse, uh, considerably worse. As, as you just said, it's, it's actually awful from a, from a research machine perspective. So there, there are some applications you can do, certainly. They're just not memory-intensive applications. And they're talking in this solicitation about big data kinds of applications and uh, deep learning or machine learning, AI kinds of applications. There's also a possibility that some of that shortfall could be made up by uh, NVDIMs or, or some other solid state storage. It's a, a, almost a near line cache as we start blurring the line between where does memory end and storage begin. Right. And they also mentioned uh, high bandwidth memory, which, which uh, in general doesn't get calculated into that main memory bucket. So they did mention they would be using high bandwidth memory, probably as it's being done today, integrated into the processor package, whatever that turns out to be. And you're assuming there it's not only going to be faster, but it's going to be uh, more capacious as well. So you might end up with five petabytes just in that, uh, just in the high memory bandwidth component that uh, isn't part of that main calculation. I mean, the the thing is they have to do something here to actually speed the the memory access. You can make up for short, uh, a smaller amount of memory if you can get access to that memory very quickly. So there's obviously something here that they're they are not talking about. I mean, they haven't talked about very much. Those two little tidbits of information just lets you speculate about what they could be doing. But uh, there's going to be a lot more to this than certainly uh, meets the eye here to get to a workable exascale system of, of any kind. Well, now let's talk about the processing elements themselves. Uh, you know, we already talked about Xeon Phi getting redefined or, or, or that roadmap getting cut off in the future. Right. So we've got regular Xeon nodes, I guess. We've got the idea that they could be doing something special. I think you very uh, wisely also brought up the possibility that their Nirvana processors could find their way into this system. Yeah, since they're obviously very interested in the machine learning aspect of, uh, as it relates to these scientific codes, then and part of the projects they're soliciting, they want people to to submit projects along those lines. They they are going to have some sort of uh, circuitry in there that that speeds that along. Now, whether that turns out to be their Nirvana intellectual property that they they bought a couple of years ago or something they've devised from that uh, sort of remains to be seen. But uh, 
we can almost be assured that there's going to be some special uh, uh, dispensation for codes like this. Uh, otherwise, they, you know, a lot of this would be would be looked at sort of uh, uh, curiously as they try and make this exascale machine into basically a, a deep learning machine as well. And, you know, I don't have a problem with deep learning as an application, but for a general science research machine, I would hope it's going to be doing a lot more than that. The idea that we would have the first exascale system in the United States configured specifically for deep learning and not for other types of scientific research disturbs me a little bit. Well, in the timeline for Aurora, they also have a timeline for simulation projects, which we assume are just traditional old physics modeling and simulation as well so it has to work for that as well and certainly the first exascale machine is going to have to run those codes too so it's going to have to be something along the lines of what we see today with uh you know the pre-exascale machines we're seeing with with coral where they have gpus and cpus i'm not saying that this machine is going to have that differentiation but it's something that's going to have to work for both uh, the simulation codes and the machine learning codes in some different context than than having a separate GPU and a CPU. It's going to be something other than that. And yeah, like like we've been talking, since they haven't said anything about the the prospects for the Xeon Phi portfolio, we don't know if that's going to be what's going to end up here or if it's going to be something else entirely. Right. Well, let's talk about differentiation on this machine for a second. We talked about memory. We talked about processing elements. The, the big thing that's left here that also we don't know anything about is interconnect. Now, presumably, this is going to be OmniPath 2 or, or something close to that on the OmniPath roadmap. It, it's a bit uh, concerning to me that it doesn't say that anywhere. You know, if uh, that's a, a thing that we could have assumed, but, you know, is there anything to be inferred from the fact that they're now not saying whether it's OmniPath 2? Yeah, I, again, that's another mystery, but the fact that they haven't even talked, that Intel hasn't even talked about OmniPath 2 in, in a very long time, makes me think that possibly they're going to do something a little bit different from OmniPath. In other words, maybe even if they kept the branding, they're going to be doing something along some different lines than the original technology that uh, that they inherited. I mean, we want this to be a novel architecture. We want it to be the innovative system that, that they were telling us it's going to be. That's how it was redefined. But at this point, they should be able to start telling us what that is. And I hope it's there is something that's that's really unique about this system. Otherwise, uh, it raises the question, why not just give the money, uh, instead of building your own supercomputer, give the money to one of the major cloud providers like Amazon or, or Azure and say, we'd like you to build these capabilities into your cloud and then give credits to scientific researchers to use them. Would that be more cost effective? You know, the only way it, it, it makes sense to build your own if you're going to build something different. If I could just get it in the cloud easier, then what's the point? Yeah, well, I think the intention here is to build something that does those types of workloads, machine learning, analytics, plus it does the simulation codes as well, and that's the trick. And I'm sure right. Intel, along the way, uh, promised them that they would have something that would do all these codes at, at a very high level, and they promised them something uh, more than we're seeing here, but uh, obviously it convinced the DOE to, to let them go forward with this. Obviously, the DOE wasn't happy when uh, the Aurora, the original Aurora program 
didn't come through with the 180 petaflop system. So uh, Intel probably had to do some pretty fancy dancing to get the uh, the DOE to to agree to to come up with the first Excel machine, and obviously it worked. Now again, when they're going to actually be more public about this uh, remains to be seen. I think they're just they want to keep this very close to the chest until they feel like they can uh, they can get something out there that they know their competitors can't reproduce in the period of time that they're going to produce it. We wait with bated breath to see what the Aurora system is going to look like. Meanwhile, there's another major supercomputer deployment in Germany, and this is an interesting win. Yeah, this is a, a big win for Atos. Atos, of course, is a French-based multinational that, that now, since acquiring Bull, uh, built supercomputers as well. And this is one of basically one of three big supercomputers in Germany. It's, it's sold a couple into Germany. Uh, recently, but this is the third big one. It's going to be the biggest one in Germany. It's going to be a 12 petaflop system going into the Ulich Supercomputing Center. And this one's going to be used for basically everything there, I think, but also specifically for the Human Brain Project, the European initiative that uh, wants to simulate the human brain. I like the Human Brain Project in terms of this area of research. Um, you know, I, I liken it to things like the the Human Genome, uh, where which was mapped in the year 2000. And when you say it that way, it sounds like, okay, we've done it. That's the end of a problem. We mapped the Human Genome. But we all know the reality is that what that does is it, it sparks a whole new field of research. And you look at what's become of genomics over the last 18 years since this was done uh, and, and how far it still can go. It's very exciting. And the reason I bring that up is because I think with, with the Human Brain Project and, and uh, new supercomputers like this, I think we're getting relatively close to where uh, some scientist is going to make an announcement that they've mapped a brain or mapped a human brain uh, and, and you know all of the neurons and synapses. Now, that's not going to happen this week or this year, but um, you know it, it's going to happen relatively soon. And when we do, and you can start running computer models of things like uh, Alzheimer's disease or concussions and you know model on a computer what that looks like, I think that's a really exciting new field of brain research. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to open up a lot of different fields in that area once they do this. Now, this is a 10-year initiative, and I think they've it's just a few years old at this point. So they're looking out and looking at the long term. Um, and I think, actually, they they say they need something at exascale level or close to it to actually do that that final mapping, to map a whole human brain. They, mm-hmm. They've done it now to smaller areas like rat brains or portions of rat brains, but they need something that has a lot more memory and computational power to do the full job. And that's why some of this is going to be stretched out into the next decade, obviously. And this is one step there. This is a 12 petaflop system, which is impressive enough. But again, this is just going to go into some of the initial work going into the, uh, the eventual project that's going to do the whole thing. Now, this is another architecture where we actually don't know all the details. Uh, presumably, the customer does, but it wasn't announced in the press release what the specific uh, processor interconnect architecture is. Bull is notable, of course, for having its own BXI interconnect at scale, although they also use InfiniBand. But this is one where uh, just this project, big win for Bull. And, and as you look ahead to Exascale, out of all the research projects out there, this might be my favorite, the one I'm most excited about in terms of uh, of what it means for research uh, in 10 or 20 years. 
Yeah, this is definitely one of the one of the grand challenges. There's an American version of the Human Brain Project as well. We haven't heard much about that or the computational power going into it. We're not sure what the funding's like, but uh, this is a very interesting area of research. And even even below this, you hear a lot of uh, there's a lot of research going into this area with much smaller systems doing different types of analysis on on the central nervous system. They're learning a lot about this area. And certainly these uh, more powerful supercomputers are, are a big step up for these and helping uh, to do a lot of the work. All right, Michael, another couple of interesting stories up on the supercomputing side. We're going to be tracking these as they roll forward. And Exascale is coming. It's exciting. and It is exciting. Thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.